The following content may not be suitable for all ages. Viewer discretion is advised. Oh shit, fuck. Sorry. Welcome to the main cave. with us this long we are in the mix of it but this one unfortunately we have a shit one with a part five so oh well we're gonna still talk about it because uh we don't care we left right at the 13th don't we now all right i don't know why i sound like this sorry <laughs> it's been a lot of recording my bad all right well here we go let's go ahead and jump into our very first one part five all right so friday the 13th part five a new beginning release date for this movie was march 22nd 1985 Directed by Danny Steinman and produced by Timothy Silver. Budget was $2.2 million. Box office was $22 million. Uh, so the movie starts off. We see someone walking around in a raincoat. We can't see who it is, uh, but they're walking through a thunderstorm. Uh, they approach a tombstone, and we find out it's a little Corey Feldman who's playing the role of Tommy again. And the tombstone is Jason Voorhees. So Tommy approaches the tombstone, but then he hears two people coming, so he runs into the woods to hide. And then we see it's two random dudes that find Jason's grave because they want to dig him up and get a good look at him. What? What the? Why? No. So it's a very shallow grave. So they dig for like a foot, maybe two feet, and then they finally reach the coffin. So they open up the lid to the coffin. Then as soon as they do, Jason stabs the guy in the chest with a machete. And then he stabs the other dude in the neck with the ice pick. Why are they putting weapons in the serial killer's coffin? That's a terrible decision, even though he's dead. Don't. Why? No. Have you ne ever seen a horror movie before? He gave him a machete and an ice pick. What in the tits? Uh, so Jason gets out of his grave, and then Tommy's just shitting himself liquid for him. And then he's just watching Jason approach him. So Jason grabs the machete, starts walking towards Tommy. And then Jason goes in for the kill. But wait, it's just a dream! Oh my god. Uh, we cut to Tommy, who's now, looks like he's in his, like his mid-20s, but he's only supposed to be 17. Uh, but the actor that's playing him is... Yeah, like 25, maybe almost 30. Uh, but he's uh, riding in the backseat of a car and looks to be going to a place called Pinehurst Halfway House for the for its uh, middle institution. So Tommy's being transported to the halfway house because he's been in, uh, institutionalized for the last about five years because you know, it's pretty understandable. I don't know how many 12-year-olds go join the flag football team and live the normal life after all the shit that he's been through. So after that, we see uh, we get the opening credits, and then we ride up at Pinehurst. Uh, where we see some of the other patients just kind of staring at Tommy as he drives in. He's like, who's this motherfucker? So once the van stopped, the doctor's assistant, Pan, comes out to greet Tommy. She tries to talk to him, have a conversation with him. He's like, no, fuck that, I ain't saying nothing. And he just doesn't say a word, and he just walks right past her and goes inside. So once they're inside, they meet Dr. Matt, who's got to be the most casually dressed doctor. He's just got some jeans and, like, a button-up shirt, maybe. I was expecting, like, a lab coat like most doctors, but I guess this is not your normal mental institution, so it makes sense. And then he explains that Pinehurst is a very chill and they're very different from other mental hospitals and they're just trying to make sure he is okay to re-enter into society. You know what, you can snort some blow and you can murder someone if you wanted to. You might get in a little trouble, but you know, we're chill. We can do whatever you want here. So Tommy leaves the room. He says like two words, maybe like sure and ugh. And then once he leaves, the doctor explains to his assistant that Tommy suffers from severe trauma at the age of 12 from brutal self-defense with a psychopath killer. 
And then he also explains that they've tried every drug and every treatment, but nothing works. And they show office files. So, yeah, drugs probably aren't going to work after an encounter with Jason. Uh, so Tommy's in his room now. He's putting away his things. And we see uh, he's allowed to have a pocket knife, of course. So, yeah, why not? Because you can have a pocket knife. Sure, it's fine. Uh, so he opens up his closet door to put away some of his clothes. But then a giant spider falls on him. Oh, fuck. Oh, wait. That's just Reggie playing a trick. I thought Reggie was a patient, but no. Reggie is not a patient. He's actually... His grandpa works for the institution. And he's just there visiting. You know, maybe you shouldn't play tricks on people who are severely traumatized. That can probably fuck them up even more. Or they may attack you. So maybe you shouldn't visit Reggie. It's kind of a dick move. So then Reggie starts talking shit and calling Tommy a big pussy for being afraid of a spider. And then Reggie explains he ain't afraid of anything. But as soon as he's saying this, Tommy has one of his uh, horror masks on from the, fir- uh, the fourth one. Puts it on and goes, rawr, and he scares the shit out of Reggie. Reggie's like, oh my fuck. And the mask looks like it's got a giant butthole for a mouth so it's pretty terrifying so uh so tommy starts showing off all his masks he's got like six or seven of them like that's kind of weird you can bring those to all the middle hospitals so yeah he has them so they're still looking really cool uh then we hear uh, a couple sirens outside and two of the patients eddie and tina have been brought back because uh <laughs> they got back from the farm and then as the cop describes what they were doing they were screwing each other's heads off some pretty intense fucking and they were also fucking on somebody else's property that's that's kind of kind of rude. So while they're getting in trouble for fucking, uh, the owner whose property they're just fucking on drives in on a motorcycle. Well, her son is driving, then she's on the back. Yeah, and I'd be pretty pissed too if someone was fucking on my yard. Uh, so we find out the owner is Ethel, and she is pissed off and demands that they close down what she calls a loony bin. And then she, she doesn't get an answer or anything. She just warns them all if they step foot on her farm again, she's gonna blow their fucking heads off. Holy shit! Don't fuck with her. Don't fuck on her yard either. Don't fuck with her. Don't fuck on her yard. And then she drives off with her son, Junior. And then we meet Joey, who comes out of the house eating a candy bar, looking like he's got doo-doo all over his hands and face. This is doo-doo, baby! He walks up to Violet and Robin, who are folding the laundry and ask if he can help. Robin's like, no, we don't want your shit-picking fingers all over our clean clothes. And he's like, no, I'm really good at it. Watch. And then he grabs a white sheet and then gets his chocolate doo-doo all over. They're like, what the fuck, dude? Get out of here, you moron. So he's like, fine, I didn't want to help you guys anyway. So he walks over to Vic, who's chopping wood. He tells Joey to fuck off, but Joey's like, you know what? I don't know how to listen, so I'm going to continue to talk to you. So Vic continues to scream, like, dude, leave me alone. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then he's like, you know what? You need a candy bar. So he hands, or he puts the candy bar on the wood that he's chopping. He's like, I'm fucking chopping there. So he chops the candy bar in half, and then Joey gets all pissed off and starts talking shit, and then he walks away, but Vic apparently is pissed off when somebody else talks shit to him. And then he slams the axe right into Joey's back and then continues to chop him. Whew, don't fuck with that guy. So the paramedics arrive and then we see Vic in the back of a cop car. I guess murder is frowned upon here, so I guess you can't murder people. I guess if he would have just like did a couple less chops, he might have been like, you know what, go to your room. That's it, no dinner. But no, he did too many chops, so he got arrested. And then the doctor's explaining to the cop that Vic had no family and he was just going from foster home to foster home. And he's a really good kid. Yeah, I'm going to call bullshit on that. I don't think he's a really good kid. He got pretty pissed off by somebody talking to him. And then somebody talks shit to him and then he chops him with an axe. I'm going to say that's not a good kid. So we see that Joey's body's covered up. There's a bloody sheet on top of him. And then the dumbass paramedic goes up and goes, hmm, what's under the sheet? And then he lifts it up showing Joey's entire body, which his arms cut off. And he's got like six or seven chops in his back. And they all start freaking out. And then he calls them pussies for freaking out. You know, maybe you should be in this institution if you're like, this is normal, this is fine, chopped up body, I love this. Even though you are a paramedic, those other people aren't paramedics, so maybe they are going to be freaked out, so I don't think you need to call them pussies. Psycho. 
So the psycho paramedic, and then we hear the other paramedic named Roy, uh, load up the body. And then we get to the next scene. So we get to nighttime, and we see two dudes are broken down. These are useless characters. I don't know why they're in the movie. Uh, looks like they're heading to a Grease cosplay party. One of the guys says he needs to go take a shit in the woods. And normally I joke and say, yeah, they're, they don't really say that. And he actually says, yeah, i got to go take a crap in the woods. So, yeah, here we go. They're actually doing the work for me. So we see one of the dudes working under the hood of the car. I didn't catch his name because he's unimportant and I didn't give a shit about that. So he's working in the car and someone from behind lights a flare. He thinks it's his friend Pete. We got his name, Pete. But when he turns around, we see an unknown person shove the lit flare right into his mouth. It was, it, was, it was fine. It wasn't naked of a death. We just see the flare kind of go in and like light his mouth up a little bit. So then we cut back and then Pete's done taking a shit. So he gets to the car. He sees his friend leaning over. So he thinks, ah, he's still working on it. So he gets into the driver's side, tries to start it up a couple times, and then finally it does start, but as soon as he does, someone from the back seat slits his throat. Yeah, I guess we're going to just get the kill count up on this, because you our guys are unimportant. We don't care about you. You're nothing. That's kind of actually all the characters in this movie. Aside from a couple of them, they're just there, just to get a kill count going. And so we get back to the halfway house, and we see Tommy's in bed, and he's hearing voices of his younger self going, die, die, over and over again. So he's starting to freak out, so he gets up, goes to his uh, dresser to grab his medicine. Once he takes a pill, he looks and sees Jason with a bloody axe standing right behind him. Oh, fuck! Oh, wait, he turns around, it's just a hallucination. Or, did Jason actually there, and he disappeared? Dun, dun, dun. It was a hallucination, I'm pretty sure. So the next day, it's uh, breakfast time, and all the patients are gathered around the table. Uh, one of them notices that Violet, one of the patients, accidentally set out a plate for Vic and Joey. Reggie's grandpa says he doesn't think one of either one of them are going to be joining us. And then Reggie chimes in, "Yeah, I don't think any other morning either." He gets in trouble, but it was, it was pretty funny. It's it a good line. It's a good line, Reggie. So while they're um, all getting ready to eat, Doctor at Matt asks if Tommy can go and let Eddie know that breakfast is ready. But as soon as he starts in, he leaves, and he's fucking attacked by a werewolf. I didn't know there was werewolves in this movie. Uh, no, wait, my notes. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. It wasn't a real werewolf. It was actually Eddie wearing one of Tommy's masks. <laughs> but I shit a little. I was scared. So Eddie starts like play punching Tommy in the chest. I'm like, what? You can't take a joke? You can't take a joke? So so Tommy picks up Eddie and flips him up over his shoulder through a fucking table. It was beautiful. It was MMA wrestling, Olympic wrestling worthy. And then he just starts fucking beating the shit and wailing away on Eddie. And then Matt finally separates him. And he's like, bitch, I took down Jason. What do you think you're going to do? So we get to Ethel and Junior at their shit house. And it's just like a shack with dirty and gross and stuff and then Ethel hears somebody at the front door so she calls Junior a dildo and tells him to shut the fuck up that was kind of funny too uh, she, she grabs her shotgun because that's how she greets normal people when they uh, knock on her door uh, but it's a homeless man I think he, I don't think they said his name I think it was I don't know I didn't care again another unimportant person that just shows up for 15 20 seconds and then is dead so it's a homeless man he's looking to see if he can work for some food so she tells him to go sh uh, clean up the shit in the chicken coop and she'll make him some stew. He's like, okay, that's, that's fair. So then we see the police have found the two bodies of the greasers that were killed last night. And then we see a certain character showing quite a bit of times. They keep focusing on him for some reason. I don't know why. I wonder why. Maybe we'll find out. We're going to find out. So now we go to nighttime again. And then we're at a diner. And then there's some dude named Billy. He's picking up his girlfriend, Lana. I actually got their names this time. Uh, so she goes to get ready while he's in the car doing some coke. So while Lana's getting ready, she hears glass breaking, but she doesn't give a shit because she's so focused on how hot she looks in the mirror. She's like, ooh, look at me, and then she takes her top off. She's like, it's showtime. So there could be a maniac killer after, but she's too pretty in the mirror. So we go back to the car, and then Billy's yelling at Lana to hurry her ass up, but then he catches an axe right in the bald spot by an unknown killer again. So 
we're going back to the kind of the whodunit situation there from the first and second one. So Lana finally comes out, but she's met with an axe to the stomach. And then, yep, and then we don't hear any more about them. So two other pointless characters dead again. So we get to the uh, we go to the police station, and the mayor's freaking out. The cops have not found who the killer is because we've got four dead bodies now. Uh, the main cop Tucker tells him, "You know what? I think it might be Jason Voorhees. You know, he may be back to do his killing." And then the mayor's like, "No, what? Go and get fucked." There, Jason was cremated, but the cop was like, "Was he? Was he really? I don't think he was." Spoiler alert: He wasn't mayor. Now we go back to the two hornballs, Tina and Eddie, and they're gonna go sneak off to the woods and get some fucky fuck time on. So they get to the middle of the woods and they start smoking a joint, and then we see that one homeless man. He's watching them, and he's getting all creepy, like licking his lips, like. So while they're getting naked, they start to do their doing it. And then as soon as he licks his lip for his final times, we see the killer was like, hey, you perv, stop watching them. That's my job. And then he stabs the homeless man in the stomach, and then we do see the homeless man again. Pointless. So about 20 seconds later, a fucking, and then Eddie says, woo, that was good. I'm going to go wash up. And then at least Tina, and then Tina lays there just completely naked right in the middle of the day. Yeah, I can see why you guys get in trouble a lot. Just fucking right in the middle of the woods, naked, just, just laying around in the middle of the day. So after Eddie leaves, so she's just laying there, and then we see somebody standing above her, and then stab her with a pair of hedge clippers. Ooh, fuck. Then we cut to Eddie, and he's cleaning up his cock in the dirty water. I guess, uh, why? <laughs> why are you cleaning dirty water on your wiener? That's just weird. So he gets back to Tina, and, notice, and then he noticed that both of her eyes are poked out. So he backs up in the killer, and then he gets a belt wrapped around his head, and then the belt is wrapped around a tree, and then we see the belt getting tighter and tighter and twisted until he's killed off camera. So we don't really see exactly what happens to him, but we're going to assume his head exploded into a million pieces, and it looks really cool, but they just didn't have the budget for it. So later that night, uh, Pam's taking Reggie to go visit his older brother, Demon. Yeah, that's right, Demon. It's kind of a cool name. Uh, so Dr. Matt suggests Tommy should go with him. You know, he should get out of the house after whipping the piss out of Eddie. He's like, yeah, okay, sure. So they head off. Um, so they start playing really spooky, scary music while they're driving, like something's going to happen. And like it gets more and more intense, and then the music stops, and then nothing happens. They reach Red, uh, de- Demon. Okay, all right. So they reach uh, Reggie's brother, Demon, who's living in a van. Uh, it's pretty pimped out, though. It's kind of cool on the inside. And then uh, Reggie sees Demon has a girlfriend, starts hitting on her. And then Pam comes up, and he's like, yeah, what's up? This is my girlfriend. And then Demon's like, oh, nice, all right. And he's like, whoa, aren't you a little creeped out? Your 12-year-old brother's dating like a 30 to 40-year-old woman? I guess not. Okay, whatever, we're going to roll with it. So Reggie, Demon, and Pam are hanging out in the van, and then Demon starts offering to like, hey, you want a taco? Do you want an egg roll? Do you want some enchiladas? How about a slice of pizza? Where the fuck are you getting all this food from? You live in a van. There's, I don't even see a fridge in there. What in the ass? He just... Buying this shit and then just leaving it in room temperature for like weeks? Fucking gross. So outside of the van, we see Tommy's distracted by this neon light that reads Trailer Park. Trailer Park and keeps flashing up and forth. And it looks like he's about to start getting some flashbacks, but then Junior pulls up on his dirt bike. So then Junior starts threatening him. My mom's going to fuck you up, man. My mom's going to do it. I ain't going to do shit. So he grabs Tommy by the shirt and act like he's going to punch him. And then fucking Tommy fucking lands two hooks to the head and then uh, two hooks to him. Junior goes down and then he lands, he goes behind him. After he gets back up, lands a couple kidney punches, and then he fucking kicks him in the head, and then Junior gets back up again, and he starts landing fucking body hooks and hooks like that. I'm like, who who were the doctors at this institution you were at previously? Was it Dr. Van Dam and Dr. Mike Tyson? You can fuck some people up, dude. Damn. I don't know how you learned all this fucking badassery, but damn. Good job, Tommy. So Tommy's fucking up Junior, then Pam rubs up and goes, stop, stop, he's a pussy, don't do it anymore. And then Tommy runs away, and then Pam runs back to the van. He's like, hey, we need to leave and go back and look for him. And then he's like, okay, bye. And then we see, uh, we're going, we go back to the van where Demon and his girlfriend are hanging out. 
And then all the unhealthy food that has probably been spoiled that he's been eating finally hits his stomach. He's like, oh my god, I gotta go shit. Yeah, this is the second time in a movie. I didn't have to make this shit joke myself. It did it for me. So, cool. All right. That's awesome. So we see him run to this, like, shack, like a little outhouse, but it's made of, like, sheet metal or something like that for the walls. Um, so while he's in the outhouse, his girlfriend starts to scare the shit out of him. <laughs> he's like, thanks. I need that. But then but then after she scares him, she starts singing to him, and then he sings back. I'm like, that's that's weird. Why would you sing when you're shitting? I mean, I guess I can do that when you're by yourself, but I don't, like, sing a duet with anybody. So so then she stops singing, and, like, the, out start, the outhouse starts shaking again. He's like, oh, this motherfucker. He's like, bitch, I'm going to get you. I'm going to come out and whoop your ass. And then he goes outside, and then he sees that her throat slit. And he's like, oh, shit, somebody already whooped your ass. So he goes back in the outhouse, and he's freaked out, and then someone starts stabbing a pole through the walls. Uh, one eventually hits Demon right in the leg, and then the next one goes through his chest and then kills him. So, again, we get a little bit more backstory with him, and he's a little, he was pretty entertaining, so at least we have that. But then again, they just killed off right away. So Reggie and Pam arrive back at the halfway house, and then a couple other patients that... We're just, we've seen him in the background, but now we're finally getting some dialogue from him. Jake and Robin and Violet. We kind of see Violet again, just a little bit of dialogue, nothing major, sh- nothing shit characters. So those three come out to greet him. They're like, hey, everybody's gone. I don't know where the fuck everybody's at. So then Pam tells them to go back inside and she's going to go look for everybody. So we see Junior, he's got his ass whipped. So he's driving around his house on his dirt bike, all pissed off. And he's like, mama, they hurt me, mama. So he continues to drive around the house, only to get a meat cleaver right to the fucking neck, cutting his head off. And then inside the house, Ethel's yelling at him, like, I got your stew ready, you dumb motherfucker. And then we see a hand, or the meat cleaver, come through the window where she's cooking, and it hits her in the head. She's dead. And then she grabs a tomato and squeezes it. Because she says, fuck tomatoes. So back at the halfway house, Jake and Robin are sitting on the couch watching a movie. Jake tries to put his Mac moves on, but Robin's like, you know what, shut the fuck up, I'm trying to watch this movie. And then he continues to tell Robin, he's like, I, I like you, I like you a lot. But Robin doesn't seem that really interested at all. She's like, what the hell are you talking about, Jake? And then he's like, you know what? I really want to make love to you. And then she starts laughing right in his face. So he gets all mad and says, I I didn't mean it. I really didn't mean it. And then he gets all pissed and then he walks away. So then Jake goes upstairs and he goes into Violet's room. And he's like, hey, can I talk to you? But she's like, I can't right now. I'm busy doing some weird disco fucking dance moves. It's like some 70s disco. It's, It's weird. And then he leaves the room, but as soon as he leaves the room, he turns around and boom, meat cleaver in the head. Well, we don't know. It's off camera again, so we just see the meat cleaver and then him going, oh, a lot of off camera kills in this movie. So Reggie fell asleep on the couch next to where Robin was sitting at. So Robin covers him up and then goes upstairs. She gets naked. And I don't know why she gets naked, I guess. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Some people sleep naked, I guess. So more power to you. So she gets naked and then she goes up to the top bunk to go to sleep. So she's laying there for a little bit and then she turns around on her side and then when she turns around, she sees Jake's dead body. Oh, shit. But before she can do anything, the killer grabs her by the head and then stabs her from underneath the mattress with the machete. So we've seen that kill a couple times. This was probably the worst out of the three. Captain Bacon's, of course, was the first one. And then the one in part three. And then this one, which is just... It's kind of lame. But I'm wondering, is again, this like kind of similar to part two. Where the hell is getting all of these weapons? At least when the second one, he had... He was like his domain and knew where, knew where to stock weapons. But this time he had a machete and then he had that meat cleaver in like a... 30 second span so what, what is this gta so back in violet room she's changing music now to some more of an 80s dance music and she's busting out some sweet modified robot dance moves the music's kind of catchy too i will admit it so uh but then she's quickly grabbed by the throat and stabbed again another off-kill camera so we don't know exactly what happens to her so reggie wakes up and he heads upstairs to tommy's room and then he finds all three bodies are just stacked just chilling on top of his bed he's like holy shit so he walks out of the room all freaked out, and then Pam comes up from behind him and goes, Hey, what's going on? He's like, Fuck, go check for yourself. 
So she goes in and checks and then starts freaking out when she sees all the dead bodies. Uh, so they both run out of the house and then Reggie trips or he runs them to the front door to get out of the house. Reggie trips and as soon as he does, Jason, finally, we see Jason. An hour and ten minutes into the movie, we finally see Jason. He's got his traditional ha- hockey mask on, but it's got blue lines instead of uh, the normal red. And he's kind of looked like he's been doing some Richard Simmons sweating to the oldies because he's looking a lot slimmer. He's not looking all beefy like he was in the second and the third one. So... And the fourth one. So Pam and Reggie Reggie run outside and they run to the storm to find the paramedic station or station wagon. So they open up the door and then one of the paramedics is dead. Like it's just kind of cheesy. Like he just, uh, like head's not cut off or just got some blood on him. And then as soon as they open up the door and the one of the paramedics pops out dead, Jason pops out from the other side. Wait a minute. So they both run off into the woods and then they get separated. So Pam's running through the woods and then she just so happens to run into the exact spot that the doctor was killed or Dr. Matt. He's pinned to a tree with a stake through his forehead. Like, through all the woods, and, like, there was no way Jason was chasing you to make sure you go this way. You just happened to find this dead body. Very coincidental. So Pam makes her way back to the house. So she begins walking through the living room, and Reggie's grandpa jumps through the window again to try and save her. Nope, it's, it's Jason again. He likes throwing motherfuckers through windows, apparently. This is, like, the third or fourth time he's thrown a motherfucker through a window. So, yeah, Reggie's grandpa is dead. We don't see how he died. I'm assuming he died right before that. I don't think he died on impact. So he is dead. So Pam freaks out. She runs into the house with Jason walking behind her with a machete. So she stumbles to the ground and right in front of, the, of a barn. And then Jason's right in, standing right above her. And he lowers up, raises up his machete. Which just feels like the longest time. And he's like, wait for it. Wait for it. Are you ready? Uh, oh, no, no. But before he can do anything, uh, Reggie bursts through the barn building. Or the side of the barn riding a bulldozer. So Jason has plenty of time to get out of the way. But he just kind of stands there and is like, hey, are you allowed? To, you can't. That's not fair. And then he stands there and then he gets hit by the bulldozer. So they go to check and see if Jason's dead, but he grabs Pam, but then they kind of escape. They kind of kick his hand off. So we see Jason getting up and he's holding his ribs, covered in blood, looking in like a lot of pain. Like, wait, why, why are you hurt so bad, Jason? You just took 15 shots with a hammer earlier. All right. I guess being dead, maybe. Okay, buddy. Uh, so Jason enters the barn door where Pam and Reggie ran in to hide. Uh, so he opens up a closet, and then Pam greets him with a chainsaw. Like, oh, they begin having, like, a sword fight with a chainsaw and the machete. And then Pam cuts him in the arm with a chainsaw. Jason's hurt again. What the... F- what is going on, Jason? I thought you were unstoppable. So, of course, the chainsaw dies, like, right after she uses it. So she just starts... She just throws the chainsaw at Jason, which is pretty effective because it knocks him down. And then, it, yeah, it gives her enough time to run away and then go upstairs to this little top area of the barn. So as soon as she runs upstairs, Tommy enters the barn... And then they have a face-off. So they're just kind of having a little bit of face-off for like maybe 5-10 seconds. And then Jason walks closer to him and then he slices him right in the chest with a machete. You're like, damn, you could have dodged that? No. So Jason's about to finish Tommy off, but Tommy takes out the pocket knife. Good thing he can sneak shit into this thing. And then he stabs Jason right in the thigh. So he goes up to the rafters to join Reggie and Pam. And then Jason's slowly coming after him, climbing up the ladder as well too. So we see Jason get to the top of the ladder and then Tommy's lying there lifeless. So he's like, hmm, he's dead. So he starts looking for Reggie and Pam. So he finds Reggie and he's like, hey, what's up, motherfucker? So he tries to, he just kind of does a machete chop in front of a board that Reggie's behind. Uh, But as soon as uh, he does that, Pam hits him with a shovel handle. So Jason takes the handle from her and then they have like a little dance off right in front of this little opening of the second floor of the barn. And then Reggie jumps from the top rope and lands a cross body chop. Nice, fucking nice move, Reggie. And then it knocks Jason off the edge. Uh, so they look over to see if Jason actually fell to the ground, but he's still hanging onto the edge. So he grabs Reggie and then tries to pull him down. But then at this time, Tommy wakes up, he grabs a machete, and hits Jason right in the wrist with it, almost cutting his hand off. And then Jason falls and lands on a bed of spikes. And then we see Jason's mask come off, 
And then we pan to Jason, and it's a, a, a dude? Who who the fuck is that? There's, he's got latex around his head to make it look like he's bald and kind of deformed. Who who the fuck is that? Do we know who that is? I don't know. I mean, I don't remember him. Do you remember him? And then the next scene, we cut to the hospital where Pam and Reggie are, and they're in the waiting room uh, while Tommy's getting uh, repaired and recovered. Repaired. And then the main cop, Tucker, approaches them, and he explains where that, that was actually Roy. They don't say that was Roy. They just say, we found Roy's wallet, applying that we were supposed to know who Roy was, like we gave a shit about him. I know they showed him a couple times, like a little bit longer, but he's just a paramedic picking up dead bodies. Who the fuck were we going to pay attention to him? He's a nobody. So they find Roy's wallet. So he explains that Joey, the one that was killed earlier with the doo-doo on his lips and his fingers, uh, the one that got hacked up, he was actually Roy's son. And then he used the Jason story as a cover-up for his murders. And he went insane after his son died. Stupid. So we see Pam enter the room Tommy's recovered in. As she approaches the bed, he wakes up and stabs her. Oh, nope, just another dream. So Tommy wakes up and he sees Jason standing in front of him. Like the real Jason, not this puss wannabe Jason. So he stares at Jason for a bit, and then he closes his eyes, and then Jason disappears. Is he a ghost, or was that another hallucination? At this point, I don't really even fucking know, because this movie doesn't really explain things very well, and then the follow-up movie, because it did so bad, we don't know what the outcome of it. So and we're going to guess it's a hallucination again, and he's still fucked up in the head. Jason's not a ghost, and like that. So he gets up, and he goes to his dresser, and then he pulls open the drawer, and then we see the Jason mask that we're always using. Uh, he hears Pam approaching, and then he smashes a window to make it look like he escaped. So Pam rushes in, and then Tommy appears from behind the door wearing Roy's hockey mask and wielding a kitchen knife. And then it ends the movie. Now, I know this movie got a lot of negative responses, mainly because Jason wasn't in it, and there was a lot of dumb things. Like I was like, alright, I'm going to watch this movie, I'm going to give my own opinion on it, and I know I've watched this before in the past and I didn't like it, and I was like, well, maybe give it some time, I'll try and watch it again. Nope, this movie's still shit. There's like so many these random characters like the Billy and Lana, who we didn't need them. Who cares about them? They're useless. And then the two greaser guys or the cosplay for Grease. Who cares about them? We don't need them at all. And then even the main characters, they didn't build any kind of like. Do I like him? Do I hate him? Do I want him dead? We just didn't give a shit. You're like, okay, you're there. Okay, now you're dead. So, and then it's just kind of weird that we started off with this kind of whodunit storyline, which I, I love whodunit movies, but. This is a slasher movie. We don't need whodunits. When you first establish the whodunit in the very first two movies, and then we go, all right, we know who the killer is. This is a slasher movie. And then we go back to the whodunit thing. I know this movie wasn't even really supposed to happen, so I can yeah give it a little bit of a pass on that, but it's just kind of dumb. They went that route of the whodunit. They should have skipped this movie entirely and then just went to part six where they find Jason's body and resurrect him. That should have been what happened and then the motive for Jason the killer like if you've gone insane why the fuck do you need to build a cover story just it just makes it's, it's kind of dumb like i need to build a cover story i've gone insane but i have the time to do this elaborate ruse to get some really nice latex and make myself look like the real jason and then go on this murder spree just so i need to hide my identity it just i just i don't know i just did not like this movie it was not and i know a lot of people agree with it and then the ending was kind of dumb because we never really get a true explanation. I know we see have like little tidbits like the Camp Crystal Revisited or like a lot of the anthologies and stuff like that that kind of explain that he actually didn't kill her. But we really never know because Tommy is actually like he's about ready to kill Pam. And then the movie ends. But then part six is just Tommy driving with his friend from the insane asylum. It looks like he's driving Pam's van, but we don't get an explanation. Did he kill Pam? Did he stop? Did he borrow her van or borrow her truck did he kill her and then take her truck we never really get that full explanation so and then again that's just because 
what they were initially going to do is they're going to set up a new trilogy with uh, probably going to be Tommy being the new Jason. Uh, but since they got such shit reviews and the ends are like, no, nope, this sucks. We're not going to do it. They just said, all right, we got to bring back Jason. Which that's what we wanted the whole time. When a fan of the Friday the 13th season, we never wanted Jason to die. I mean, I can't say speak directly because I wasn't born when the first four movies were made. But kind of going back, I'm sure, and I'm looking at other people's responses. No one wanted Jason to be killed off. And if they were going to bring the movie back, then bring Jason back too. No one wanted this bullshit. We get another great movie here in part six. And then seven's fine. And then it just kind of goes downhill a little bit. Kind of seven's, it's fine. It's, yeah. But yeah, so that was Friday the 13th Part 5. So up next is Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Directed by Tom McLaughlin and written by Tom McLaughlin. I think that's his name. McLaughlin? Am I saying that right? Sounds right. Our release date was August 1st, 1986. I remember being 11 months old in the theaters. It was a fun time. It was a great moment in history. That I was 11 months old watching this movie in theaters. It's not true. Uh, the budget for this movie was $3 million, and the box office was $19.4 million dollar, dollar bills. All right, so we're getting back to the real Jason, not this puss Roy who wants to try to pretend to be Jason. We're getting the real motherfucking Jason in this movie. Uh, so the movie opens up. We see uh, Tommy, who's played by a different actor now. And as I say, it looks like it was a similar Chuck of Pam's from Part 5, but there's no confirmation of that because Pam's not mentioned in this movie at all. They weren't, this wasn't the original direction, so we'll give him a pass, I guess. So Tommy's driving along with Haas, who uh, both have been released from the mental institution. Uh, Haas mentions, you know what, if they find out about this, they're fucking hauling us right back into the straitjackets. Thanks for the positive thinking, Haas. We're trying to bury up a dead body in here. Giving me these negative thoughts? What the hell? Uh, so he, uh, Tommy explains to Haas that he's going to go find Jason's corpse and destroy it in hopes of stopping the hallucinations that he's been having. So at least they continue that, that he's stopping the hallucinations. So I meant... The Tommy character itself wasn't really too terribly damaged, I guess, so, or too terribly changed, so it still continues on from five to six, so that's good. So they arrive at the cemetery, uh, they got the shovels in hand, and they got Jason's original mask. I don't know where the fuck he got that from, because it was at the end of part four, you can see the slice from the machete in there, so I don't know, I would guess that'd be like an evidence, and he must have snuck into evidence and stole that, so... Or maybe he just kept it as a souvenir this whole time. We don't know. So they find Jason's tomb, and then Tommy starts digging up the graves, and then Hawk's like, you know what, fine, fuck, I guess I'll help. So the, they get to the top of the coffin. Hoss tries to get Tommy to stop. I'm like, we already dug up the body. Just, let's just do this, man. We've already gone this far. So Tommy's like, yep, now fuck that. So he grabs a crowbar, opens up the coffin, and there's Jason. Gross as fuck. He's been there a while, because he's got maggots all over his face, worms everywhere, and it just looks like uh, spider webs or some kind of cobwebs just covering his entire face. Fucking gross. And then we get to uh, Tommy hearing that himself, like kind of similar to part five, where he hears himself yelling, die, die, over and over from part four. So then he gets all pissed off. He grabs one of the metal posts from the uh, cemetery fence, and he starts stabbing the shit out of Jason. And he's like, yeah, fuck you, Jason. Uh, but he does a dumb thing, and he leaves the post inside Jason's body, and he goes to grab the can of gas. But while he's doing this, lightning strikes the metal pole inside Jason, thus resurrecting the motherfucking beast. Yeah, dumb move, Tommy. Fucked up. So we see Jason's eye open up, and it's just like slowly watching Tommy darting back and forth, which is pretty cool, as Tommy's trying to pull the pull the pole from Jason. Yank out the pole. Pull the pole from Jason. Uh, so he gets the pole out. Once Tommy starts to climb out of the grave, Jason sits up, grabs Tommy, and holy shit, Jason's back, back again from outer space. Uh, Tommy does escape from him, and he starts to pour gasoline onto Jason, who's just casually walking towards him. He's like, this ain't gonna do shit. Uh, he lights the match, but of course, it starts to pour down rain, so... That soaks the entire matchbox. 
Uh, but then from behind, Jason Hawes runs up and slams a shovel right in the back of right in the back of Jason's head, which doesn't do anything to him at all. He like barely flinches. He's like, "The fuck!" So he looks around. And he's like, "Hey, I ain't fucking Roy. You ain't gonna pull that shit with me." And then he fucking punches Haas right through his body and then pulls his heart out on the other side of his body. Pretty fucking vicious, so. But Tommy sees this and he's like, yeah, fuck you, Haas, I'm out of here. Gets in his truck and drives away. And then we see that Jason finds his hockey mask, puts it on, and faces the camera. Oh, fuck yeah. So we get to the opening credits. These opening credits in these movies kind of suck shit. It's just the black screen with, like, some ominous music playing and then just words just pop up. It doesn't have any kind of animation. I remember doing better animations on my opening credit for my home videos in high school so come on i guess it was 86 and it was in 97 where i had the cool feature i don't remember what that program was called i don't know anyway after the open credits we see tommy tommy entering into the police station he almost gets shot in the head uh because uh, sheriff mike garris is there and he's like whoa holy fuck you don't run into a police station like that so tommy begins to explain that jason's back from the dead and that we need to stop him we need to figure out a way and then uh tommy gives uh he gives the sheriff his full name he's like yeah i'm tommy jarvis and the sheriff's like, oh, I remember you, son. I'm sorry to hear about you. <laughs> Jason murdering the fuck out of your family. And he says friends, but I don't think any of the teenagers were his friends. I think just his family. And then, and none of the patients. Oh, yeah, it wasn't Jason. So part four. I don't know what he's talking about, friends. What a fuck up, sheriff. So then Tommy goes and he grabs the gun from uh, one of the gun closets. So, yeah, that's a good idea. Go into the sheriff's station, grab a gun, and then just run out. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, yeah, sure, you can take those. Those are those are free. Go ahead and take it. But then, no, of course, the sheriff's like, what the fuck are you doing? Grabs him and then he throws him in the cell. And he's like, yeah, you're staying here for the night, you crazy fuck. And then he apologizes again for what Jason did to his family. But we know that Tommy, he knows that Tommy's just hallucinating. And there's no people to get all riled up and scared and talking about this Jason crap. So that's why they changed Camp Crystal Lake to Camp Forest Green. Shit name. And then next we see uh, two of the counselors at Camp Forest Green. Stupid name. Uh, Darren and Elizabeth. Not Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Who are lost trying to find the camp but are stopped when Jason steps into the front of their car. Elizabeth is like stopped. She's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, yeah, I've seen enough scary movies that a guy in a mask is probably not a good idea. And he's like, oh shit. So she puts the car in reverse and they start driving, but then they realize that they're about to back into a big mud puddle, that they're going to get stuck. So Darren suggests, you know what, just go ahead and drive towards him really fast. He'll get out of the way. And she's like, what kind of logic is that? I mean, yeah, it's kind of true. I mean, if he doesn't want to get scared he's, or doesn't want to get hurt, he's probably going to want to jump out of the way. Uh, so she does it, and then that shit doesn't work because he just stands there. And then Darren honks the horn from the passenger seat. So Jason gets the metal pole that he's been using, stabs the car, and shuts the horn off. He's like, shut that shit down, bitch. So then Darren gets out, uh, he gets a gun from the glove box, and he's like, you know what, I'm gonna fuck this motherfucker up. She's like, what are you, Dirty Harry? He's like, yeah, it was for Halloween once. And then he gets out, and he puts a gun, before he can really do any kind of thing, even really aim the gun at him, Jason stabs him right in the chest, and then flings him over his shoulder. He's like, peace. Then Jason smashes the windshield of the car where Elizabeth is still in, so she escapes from the car, and then she tries to offer Jason money, and then she's reaching for a wallet, and then she looks back up, but he's gone. Oh my god. But then he's right behind her, and then she he stabs her right in the fucking face. And then we see an American Express card floating in the puddle when she was dying. I'm sure in the theater at the time, everyone was yelling, Don't leave home without it! <laughs> I'm original. And then the guys in the front like, Yeah, 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 fuck off. So the next morning, we meet the camp counselors, consisting of Megan, Sissy, Court, and Paula, in which Megan is the sheriff's data. Uh, they mentioned that they haven't heard anything from Darren or Elizabeth, and Tommy's like, Yeah, they're probably fucking dead. And the sheriff's like, hey, get, you shut the fuck up about this Jason crap. So the sheriff ushers them all out and tells them to get the fuck out of there. And he's like, I'll see what I can do about the dead counselors. I meant the totally alive, just missing counselors or lost counselors. I'll see what I can do. 
And then the sheriff gets all pissed and he's going to have the people of the institution come and pick him up. But he's like, you know what? I'm just going to escort you out of town myself. That actually sounds better because if people at the institution pick you up, you're probably going to go back to the institution. This way I got to leave town and I'm getting trouble. Yeah, sure. Fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so back at the camp, the counselors are getting ready. Counselors are getting ready for camp to start. When Megan starts a what if situation that Jason is actually alive. But then it's interrupted by a school bus full of kids arriving to camp. Oh, shit. And then Sissy makes a joke. I think I'd rather deal with old Jason. Yeah, you know, you don't. Kids, they're, they're maybe a handful, but, you know, it's better than Jason. Slicing your head open. So we see someone walking through the woods, but we find out it's just a fun game of paintball from some corporation. And they're having a company outing, and they're playing paintball. That's kind of cool. I wish we could do something like that in my work, some kind of company outing where we're just going to have paintball matches. The ending, I don't want that to happen like it does in this movie, no. So then we see two of the men that are walking along, and then they get shot by the only woman that's playing with them. They don't mention the woman's name, but then they get all mad. They're like, wait a minute, I thought you already got shot. And she's like, nope, do you see any bullets on me? And then we cut to someone walking with a machete, only to find out it's Bert, who is actually shot by the woman that they were talking about earlier. So while Bert's chopping at a tree, all sexist, saying all sexist stuff, Jason catches his arm and like, hey, you need to be more respectful. And then he whips Bert into the tree face first, so Bert's face smashes into the tree, and then like there's like a little smiley face of blood. That's kind of it's kind of funny. And then Jason looks down and he sees that Bert's arm detached, and he's still holding it. He's like, "Holy shit, I'm really fucking strong now. This dying and coming back from the dead thing's pretty fucking sweet." I suggest you try it. And then we get a nerdy, clumsy guy uh, named Roy, and he's fumbling and bumbling through the trees and trying to. He breaks a branch and then he tries to put it back into the tree. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but, and then we did, found out he and the girl are the only ones that are left in the game. But they're on opposite sides. Who will win? Either one. So we go back to the two men and the woman that were walking earlier. And then Jason jumps down from the tree traps. And then he decapitates all three of them at the same time. That's pretty sweet. So as the bodies are dropping, we see Roy standing behind them. He's like, oh, shit. And he should be scared. So he shoots Jason with a paintball gun. Jason looks down like, what the fuck, man? You just shot me with paint? Dick move. So Roy takes off, and then Jason gives chase, not running, but walking very fast, because this is the, now we're not going to talk about five, but part six is the actual Jason starting his walking phase, probably from the dead, joints are hurting after a while, so he's no longer running, moving forward. So we don't see what happens to Roy just yet, we just see that he takes off, uh, but now we see Sheriff Garris and his partner are following Tommy out of town, because they're going to escort him out. And then Tommy decides to make a sharp turn and go towards the cemetery so he can show the cops that they did dig up Grace Jason and he's gone. So they get to the cemetery, he jumps out of the car and starts to run towards Jason. But then he's tackled by the sheriff and he's like, hey, come on man, please look, please look. Yeah, I can see. So the sheriff tells him that, yeah, look at, and then we panned uh, Jason's grave, which is the dirt has been covered back over his grave. And he's like, what? No. And then earlier we showed that the caretaker was the one that did that. And then Tommy's like, please, you gotta tell him. He's like, what? Dig up Jason. Does he think I'm a farthead? And then the next scene is the kid's going, Yes! <laughs> That's always, that always makes me laugh. It's stupid, but it makes me laugh. Kids calling him a farthead. Uh, but yeah, after they go yes, we're at the camp again. So Megan's asking all the kids all the fun stuff they're going to do. They're going to not eat Brussels sprouts or scare all the boys. I'm like, that sounds kind of like a lame thing. Can we do like swimming and archery? Not eat Brussels sprouts? That sounds whack. So we also see Paula and Sissy talking. And then Paula asks where Court's at. And then Sissy says, he's taking the young men off to teach them my favorite sport, Boy Scouting. When the fuck did Boy Scouting become a sport? And even if it was a sport, who the fuck would have Boy Scouting as their favorite? Ooh, yes, watch him get that pennant, watch him get that badge. 
What? No. I'd say it's more of an activity, not a sport. What the fuck, sissy? Boy scouting is a sport. And it's your favorite. Shh, get the fuck out of here. So we get a quick cut of Jason Power walking through the woods holding a bloody machete. That's always cool to see. And then right after that, we see the sheriff unloading Tommy out of the back of his car. I guess the other cop was driving the truck because it's there already. So that would be my guess. They don't really show. And then he's like, don't ever fucking come into this town again, you piece of shit. So it's now nighttime, and the caregiver that was that reburied Jason earlier is walking through the woods, drinking a bottle of booze, getting all hammered and lit. And then also we see a couple having a picnic in the woods. That's a weird place to have a picnic in the woods at night. But I guess he just proposed to her, so... Yeah, sweet. But they're gonna die, so it's not that sweet. So the, t- the caretaker finishes off his bottle of booze, and then he throws it behind him, waits for the glass to break, but it does not. Turns around and sees Jason's fucking one-handed that catch. He's got it in his hand, breaks the bottle, and then stabs the caretaker right in the neck. So then we get next back to the couple, which is Steven, and the unnamed girlfriend. We don't get her name. Uh, so they're... They both hear that, so Steven decides to go check it out because, you know, all Steves are brave and courageous. Idiot. So he gets to where the scream's coming from, and he sees Jason just fucking slicing up the caretaker. But then Jason cocks his head, and then he looks towards Steven, and Steven's like, oh, shit. So he grabs his girlfriend, they try to get on his motorcycle, but Jason quickly catches up to him and stabs them both at the same time with a machete. Bye, Steven. Bye, unnamed girlfriend. So we go back to the camp where we see Sissy playing a card game called Camp Blood, where the Joker is Jason and the face cards are the counselors, and you're supposed to shuffle the Jason into the cards and then separate them into piles that represent uh, piles represent cabins. I always try to create this game anytime I have a deck of cards. I can never find it where it's interesting, because like, if you find Jason, oh, yay, what do I do? And then, yeah, they never go over any more than those rules right there, and I can never think of anything interesting. I guess I'm not creative enough. Anyway, Paula's still worried about Darren and Elizabeth since they are dead in a ditch somewhere. Uh, she doesn't know that. She hasn't seen the beginning of the movie yet, so she's like, you know, I'm going to call Elizabeth's parents and see if they know her that. But then they hear a scream from one of the kids' cabins. Oh, shit, the kids are dead? No. No, wait. They rush to the cabins, and it's one of the girls freaking out, saying that she saw a monster. She sp- explains that the monster was everywhere. She's like, no, you asshole. You just had a nightmare. They tell her to stop being such a wuss and go back to bed, and then they leave the cabin. So outside the cabin, we're uh, outside the cabin. Paula asks where Court's at. She asks for Court a lot. I think she loves him. Uh, she said, but she says she hasn't heard from him in a while after his intense game of boy scouting. And then Sissy says, "I'm not really sure. I think he's out fucking." And then we cut to a camper, and yep, they're fucking. So he's uh, Court's having sex with some unnamed girl. I don't think they may give her name. So while they're getting down and dirty, the girl is saying, "Yeah, he's just got to last at the end of the song. It's only ten more minutes." And he's like, "Yeah, that's not gonna happen." Shortly after that, we see Jason outside the camper, and he, like, cocks his head to the side. He's either confused on what they're doing or surprised, like, are they fucking on my watch? They're, they're fucking right in front of me. I, I don't believe this. So Jason gets all pissed off. He goes up, and he rips the power cord right out of the power box. The girl, which, yeah, I did look it up. Her name is Nicola, because they don't mention her name at all whatsoever, so I had to look that up, and I found out it's Nicola. Not Coca-Cola, Nicola. And then she looks out the window, and she notices that the cord's been unplugged, so she asks Court to go plug it back in. So Court goes outside and he starts hearing all spooky noise from the woods. And then she's like right behind him. Like, why did you have me do it? You were right behind me. And then he's like, look at this. And then he pulls the cord up and then he knows it's been, it was ripped out of the thing. And then it's all torn to shreds. So they get back inside, flip the uh, battery power on and then cruise on out of there. But then Jason is with them. Dun, dun, dun. So after Court's driving around like a madman, he cranks on the radio and we see Jason's actually hiding in the bathroom. He was probably taking a quick shit. Uh, but he pops up, and then he grabs Nicola and brings her into the bathroom with him. Court can't handle this because he's rocking out, and he's like, I don't want to rock. That's not, that was teenage Frankenstein. So Nicola's struggling to get free, but then Jason takes her head and then smashes it into the into the side of the camper, and then her face kind of morphs 
to the metal, which is kind of cool. So Jason emerges from the bathroom and slowly makes his way to Court. And by the time Court notices anything in the rearview window, he stabs Court right in the fucking head with a buck knife. Oh, damn. So the camper hits a little hill, and then they go flying through the air, and then it lands on its side. Jason doesn't give a fuck, though, because he busts the door, and then he pops up, and then he's just standing on top of the camper as it bursts into the flames on the bottom. It's a pretty sweet visual. Uh, so back at the sheriff's station, Megan and Sheriff Garris are arguing about how dangerous Tommy is, and then Sheriff Garris gets a call and then from one of the other deputies, and he finds out all the bodies of the corporate paintball extravaganza thing. They've all been found, so... After the sheriff leaves, Megan gets a call from Tommy, who's trying to talk to her dad about Jason and a plan to kill Jason. Uh, they just booted your ass out of the town for not believing you. Why the fuck are you calling back with no new proof, no new evidence? You're just like, hey, yeah, I got a new idea about the same shit you were talking about earlier. No, fuck off. So I don't know why he's calling. Uh, but Megan says her dad's actually out looking for him. Uh, but when he, uh, She'll come and actually come and pick him up. No knowledge of this guy, except that he's dangerous and he's hallucinates and has been in a mental institution. But you know what? I think it's fine. I'm going to go pick him up by myself alone at night. Good idea. So Jason finally arrives at Camp Crystal Lake, which there's now a sign that says Camp Forest Green. So he looks up at the sign and he's like, what the fuck is this shit? That's not the name. Who? Oh, I'm going to write a nasty letter, whoever changed this name. Uh, so we go back to the crime scene where they find all the bodies of the paintballers. And then also pieces of Roy, who's been chopped to shit. Sheriff Garris is certain that Tommy did this. And then he's like, you know what? You picked the right day to do this. Happy Friday the 13th. Uh, so we get back to the camp. Sissy's reading a magazine and then Paula has passed out. Sissy hears someone walking by the window, so she figures it's Court playing a prank on him. So she's like, I'm going to play a prank on him. And then she grabs a can of soda, or pop, wherever you're from, and then pours it out the window. I'm like, that's a shit prank. And then there's no reaction from anybody. So she walks up to the open window, and then Jason grabs her and pulls her outside. Fucking twist her head completely around, and then twist it off. <laughs> and then Paula hears all this, and she's like, you know what? Stop playing tricks, you assholes. And then goes back to bed. So Megan reaches Tommy, and then he asks her to borrow her car. And she's like, you know, fuck that. I'm only one to drive this car. And then he's like, fine, then he gets in. So then we get back to camp, and then the same kid that had the nightmare earlier, she sees Jason carrying Sissy's body without the head over his shoulder and just walking by. And just casually walking by, and she's like, whoa, okay, that that seems pretty real. This isn't a monster, this is fucking scary. Then we get another quick shot to Megan and uh, Tommy, who ran into a roadblock of police. So she puts it in reverse, and then the police, and then we have a little police chase. And this, I think it was the first time we've had a police chase in a Jason movie, so it's a little different. I like it. It was fine. Uh, the deputy that's in chase, uh, he radios in to the sheriff and reads off the license plate. And he's like, hey, you asshole, that's my daughter's car. Be very sensitive to that, you fucking dick. So then we get the police chief chase a little bit longer. And then Megan hits another roadblock. But this time it's her dad pointing a shotgun at him. Jesus. He's like, get the fuck out of the car, my one and only daughter. And she, she doesn't. Then he shoots her. And then we see a bloody machete heading towards Paula. She sleeps. Oh, shit. She's dead. Oh no, but it's just the kid Nancy who found the who found the bloody machete, the same one that's having the nightmares, and then she brings it to Paula. Paula tells her, you know what, the other counselors are being assholes, and they're just playing tricks on us, so how about I just walk you back to the camp so I can fucking go to sleep, and you can just leave me alone. But then we see Jason's lurking in the shadows. So next we go back to the police station where Tommy's now arrested. Uh, he gets another call, the sheriff gets another call, telling him that they just found Court and his girlfriend dead. So the sheriff tells Megan about the killings and the time that it happened. Megan's like, he was with me that whole time, Daddy. And then the cop's like, hmm, maybe he's not the killer. I don't have any evidence, but eh, we're just still going to leave him locked up. So Paula gets Nancy back into the bed, and then we see Jason outside of the window just slowly stalking her. Like when she's walking, he's like a little bit behind her on the outside just watching her. He's like, what are you doing here? What's up? So normally Jason would just bust through the window, but I think he just has all these cool superpowers. You know, you know what? I'm going to have a little bit of fun. Why not? Just play a little cat and mouse there, just for a little bit. So Polly gets back to the cabin hoping Sissy will be there, but nope, she's not going to be there anywhere, anytime soon. Uh, she tries to make a phone call, but the line is dead. 
oh shit, just like her in a little bit. Uh, but she looks down and she notices that the machete is no longer on the floor, just the pile of blood that was there. The door flies open, she's like, oh my god, oh wait, it's just the wind. So she goes to close it, uh, she closes it, but then as soon as she does close it, it pops back open again, and then Jason emerges from the door. Uh, we don't see a whole lot in this particular scene here. We see blood splatter on the window, and then Paula's head going through the window, only for it to be pulled back. But we know that she does a lot, well, he does a lot worse to her. Yeah, so back at the sheriff's office, Megan is working on a plan for Tommy to escape. So they start to pretend to fight, and then she throws the little scratch pad that she's working on. He grabs it, and while she's trying to get it back from him, they start kissing. They're like, kissy, kissy. The other de deputy sees this, and he's like, hey, what the fuck, man? And he tries to pull them apart, but then Megan pulls his gun out. That's that's <laughs> a felony. Uh, that's pretty bad. Don't do that. Especially for a guy you don't know. And then she has the little laser on his head. And then earlier in the movie, he goes, wherever the red dot goes, shebang. So Tommy mocks him and says that too. And then she shoots him and they escape. Natural born killer style. That does not happen. Uh, so the top, uh, the deputy lets Tommy out and then they lock him in the cell and then they escape. So Tommy insists that he's going to drive this time and he's going to go alone. But she's like, yeah, no. And then she's like, I'll let you drive. And then she gets in the passenger seat. <laughs> so Tommy explains that the guns won't kill him. Knives are going to kill him. They ain't going to do shit. So the only way to stop him is to return him to his original resting place. At the bottom of Camp Crystal Lake. So we see Jason. <laughs> this is kind of weird. We see Jason walking into the cabin where all the kids were sleeping. And just walking back and forth like he's a guard in a prison. It's like it's a shot, Chapman. And he looks over at him. Keeps looking to see if he sees anybody. Then he notices that Nancy's awake. And he gets all like really close to her face. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? You want to watch some cartoons later? But then he hears car door slamming outside. So he just bounces. So we see that Sheriff Gareth has arrived at camp with uh, two of the other, other deputies. Or cops. I'm not sure. Kept deputies, cops, we're going to call them deputies. I like to say deputy. So Sheriff Garris knocks on the door where Paula was at. Uh, it opens up while he's knocking. And then we see the room is completely covered in blood, like entirely. Like the floor's covered, the walls are covered. I don't know if a human body has that much blood that was in this room because it's a fucking lot. Yeah, it's, it's too much, I think. It, it looked cool, though. So then one of the other deputies are walking on the dock with the lake when he notices that Jason's standing in the woods. And he's like, hey, what are you doing there? But before the cop can do anything, Jason takes what looks like a dagger and just throws it right in the fucking cop's head. And then he lands in the boat. And it's pretty cool. So we see the other deputy, Officer Pretty, because he's always there fixing his hair. Uh, he's walking around, and Nancy comes busting out from the bushes, freaking out. He tries to tell her that it's okay, you know, it's going to be okay, little girl. And then Jason pops up. He's like, the fuck it is. So the deputy fires five shots from his pistol into Jason's stomach. That does nothing to him. Jason's like, yeah, okay, sure. Then Jason grabs him by his head and then squeezes until we hear a sickening crunch. We don't actually see that one on camera, but I'm sure it was pretty gross. So Sheriff Garris founds all the kids who are now awake, and they're probably because they hear all Nancy screaming and shit like that, waking them up. He's like, I was sleeping, man. Uh, so he tells all the kids to hide under their beds. He goes to look for Jason with his shotgun. So he finds Crushed Head Man, and Jason's standing over top of him. They have a quick little stare down, then Garrett blasts him right in the right in the chest with a shotgun. It knocks him down, but then like five seconds later he gets back up. And then he does it like two or three more times where he shoots him, gets right back up. Shoots him, gets right back up. He's like, oh, fuck, man, this isn't going to work. And then he's like, yeah, you know what, fuck this. And then he, uh, Sheriff Garris takes off with Jason after him. Uh, so Megan and Tommy arrive at camp. Megan goes to check on everyone and sees everyone's okay. So she goes to Paula's cabin first and sees all the blood. And she's like, nope, she's not okay. And then Megan goes to where all the cabin, uh, the cabin where all the kids are at. And she's like, you know what, I'm going to get my daddy. He's the sheriff. Yeah. Your daddy's not going to do shit. So she tells the kids to go back into the hiding, and she's going to go look for her dad. So she goes outside and starts screaming for her dad while Tommy's lugging a big rock to the, towards the lake. And then he's trying to tie Tane around it, because that is what he's going to use to anchor Jason's body to the bottom of the lake. We've got a plan in place. So Megan runs to the police car to use the radio, but Jason seems to be having a lot of fun, because he puts Sissy's head 
on the seat. So when she opens up the door, it just comes rolling out. <laughs> I can just imagine Jason. The <laughs> you stupid idiot. So she freaks out and then she starts yelling for her dad again. And then we see two of the kids hear Megan screaming and one of the kids. So what were you going to be when you grew up? I always thought that line was hilarious. I still think it's hilarious. <laughs> what? Well, yeah, we're like, we're dead. What were you going to be? Doctor? Cool. I was going to be a lawyer. Not anymore, though. That's fun to think about it now, huh? None of the kids died, though, so they're okay. They can be doctors and lawyers. So not only did the kids hear Megan scream, Jason also hears her start and then starts heading towards her. So Sheriff Garris is hiding in one of the bushes. He's like, no, don't go after my daughter. So he jumps on top of him and starts smashing Jason with like these big rocks and just kind of beating the shit out of him. I mean, the shotgun isn't going to do anything. I don't think what a rock is going to do. It's not going to do shit. So, of course, the rock does nothing, and then Jason folds the sheriff in half backwards. Yeah, your body's not supposed to bend that way, so I'm sorry, but you're dead. So we see Tommy's on the boat now, and he's got the big-ass rock and the chain, and then Megan's like, hey, we got to find my dad. And he's like, you know what? Fuck your dad. He's not going to do shit for us. I'm going to kill Jason myself. And then we cut to the cabin where all the kids are at, and then we see Jason bust through the door. It's a pretty cool scene. It's kind of like part four. I think part four is still better. So then all the kids are like, you yeah, know, fuck this. We're not hiding anymore. So they all freak out, and then they run to the back of the cabin. So Megan hears this, she runs back to the cabin, and then once again Jason bursts through the wall and then grabs her and begins to squeeze the shit out of her. And hey, Tom, and then you, and you can see Tommy going, hey, hey Jason, you pussy, you maggot head, come after me. And Jason's like, hey, name calling's not necessary, dude. And then he's like, wait a minute, do I, that, that's the motherfucker that killed, oh, you're fucking dead, dude. So he starts walking towards Tommy. So he starts walking to him and he doesn't even slow down when he gets to water, he just continues to walk. So we see Jason just slowly disappear underneath the water. So Tommy's now in the middle of the lake, and then we see Jason disappear. So Tommy's waiting for Jason to get there, and then he's got the chain, like in the form of a noose, to wrap around him. So he also surrounds the boat with gasoline. I don't know what that's going to do. I don't know. That's weird. But he does that. So he surrounds gasoline on top of the water and then lights it. I think that's a terrible idea. But then Jason jumps out from underneath the water and then grabs Tommy. Uh, they begin struggling. It doesn't seem like Jason would need to struggle, but I think, again, he's just fucking around with him. So Tommy tries to get the chain around Jason's neck, but he can't do it. And then Jason goes back underwater, and he comes around on the other side. And then Tommy finally gets the chain around his neck, but as soon as he does, Jason's like, ha-ha, trick-or-treat, bitch. And then he jumps into the boat, and then it breaks in half. So we see the rocks sink down to the bottom. Still got Jason trapped, so that traps Jason so he can't sink, emerge to the top. But before Tommy can... Go up to the mer uh, go up to the top. Jason grabs Tommy's arm or grabs his leg, and then he starts choking the shit out of Tommy until he goes unconscious, and then he floats to the top. So, in the, so we see Megan notices that Tommy's just chilling there, floating, not living and stuff. So she swims all the way over to him, and then when she gets to him, Jason grabs her by the foot, and then she struggles she struggles free. He grabs it one more time, and then she finally reaches the boat motor, and then gets it turned on. And then once she has it turned on, she aims the propeller right at fucking Jason's neck, slicing the shit out of him. We don't get to see the actual slice, but we see. Lots of blood and lots of weird chunks flying out, so it looks like he's dead. Damn, you're dead, Jason. So Megan grabs Tommy, and then they swim back to shore where she tries to give him mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, and then eventually he regains consciousness, and then they hug each other and like, it's over, it's finally over. And then the ending's the next day where we see a shot of the lake, and then we go underwater, and then we see Jason just chilling there because we get a close-up of his face and his eyes open. He's like, yeah, well, this sucks. <laughs> I could just see the scratch record. Yeah, that's me, Jason. Bet you're wondering how I got here. So yeah, he's just got to chill there for a long-ass time. And that was the end of Friday the 13th Part 6. Another one of my favorite movies. I just love the kind of the supernatural aspect that Jason was just so powerful, returning from the dead, and just no, shit's not going to stop him. He's unstoppable now. He's a killer machine, and I thought the characters were interesting. They go back to camp. There's actually camp counselors. There's a camp going on, so kind of goes back to his roots a little bit there. This time, it's the first time, I think, where there's actually campers or 
Campanites. I don't know what the fuck you call them. There's counselors and campins, campers. So yeah, so this was just a really fun movie. So I always pop this one in all the time. Part four and part six is the one I watch the most. So it's always just in the background, just as background noises. So, but like actually reviewing this and actually taking notes. So I always see little minor details I like. It's really cool. So yes, so this one is another awesome movie. So now we have Friday the 13th, part seven, The New Blood. Release date was May 13th, 1988, directed by John Carroll Buechler, I think, I'm not sure, and written by Manuel Fidello and Daryl Haney. Budget for this movie was $2.8 million, and we have a box office of $19.1 million. And we have the debut of Kane Hodder as Jason. Kane Hodder is awesome. He's a good, <laughs> he's a really cool guy. He does the movies like the Friday the 13th series. I think he does all the hatchets. I think he's Victor Crowley in all the hatchets, and... Several other movies. Uh, but anyway, that's this is Kane Hodder's debut as Jason. I always thought it was part six, but doing some research, it is not. Kane Hodder, part seven. So the movie opens up, and we get a quick recap of the series where there's a narrator explaining how Jason keeps dying, but he keeps coming back. And then we get some shit opening credits where it's just black with white lettering and some creepy music. So the movie opens up where we see Jason still chained to the big rock at the bottom of the lake. And then we see a young Tina, maybe uh, eight or nine or so. She's standing on her front porch watching her dad hit her mom. It's fucked up. What the hell, dad? And then Tina runs away to the lake when her dad and mom notice that her, uh, she took off. So they run after her. Tina gets on a boat and she starts driving. You shouldn't be driving a boat at that young. I guess most kids, maybe, they do. <laughs> Live out in the country, they probably do. It's not uncommon. So. so anyway, she gets on the boat and then she drives off away from the dock. So Tina's dad runs onto the dock and starts apologizing for her. And she's like, I'm sorry, honey. I didn't mean to. And then Tina goes, I wish you were dead. And then she gets this look like she isn't sure if she shit herself or not. But then the dock, the dock that her dad's on starts rocking and then eventually it collapses when her dad falls all the way to the bottom and it's trapped underneath all the debris and the pillars and stuff like that. And then meanwhile, Tina's all upset yelling, Daddy, no! Uh, yeah, you just wished he was dead and then you caused him to die by your telekinetic powers. Yeah, she's got telekinetic powers. Telekinesis, telekinetic. She has powers that can, she can move stuff with her mind. And then also the kind of the time frame was this. Uh, it gets a little kind of weird on this one because... The movies, the year they come releasing the actual is not the actual time it takes place. Like, you know, part four from five, it goes from five years. This one, I had to look it up, and the director said that Jason's been underwater for the last ten years. So that's that's what his intentions were. I don't know if that was fully clear, fully developed in that. So we'll say ten years. So we're almost into, like, the 90s or late 2000s by this point. So at this time, and then Tina's around 17 when he gets resurrected. So anyway. So we flash forward to Tina waking up. Uh, she's waking up. She's having a flashback of this vision of killing her dad. She's not driving. Her dad, her mom's driving, actually. <laughs> they wouldn't be very safe if she was driving. Then she wakes up. Oh, fuck. Huh? What? Oh, shit. Oncoming traffic? No. Her mom's driving. So like I said, she's a teenager now, around 17. They're heading back to their old uh, lakeside house at Camp Crystal Lake. So they're meeting with Dr. Cruz for some treatments for her traumas that she's still having after murdering her dad. And then we find out that Tina's been hospitalized. Um, they've been, it's kind of the same with Tommy Jarvis. They've been doing treatments, all the medications, but nothing's working. So he's going to try something new at the place where it all started. And then Tina's old lake house home just happens to have a group of teenagers living next door. Or I believe they're not living there, but they're just renting out the place. Very similar to part four where they just rent out a property to party. So while Tina's unloading her luggage, she drops it and spills it everywhere. So Pretty Boy comes up and starts helping her, but he accidentally keeps fondling her underwear and like picking it up. And he's like, oh, oh, sorry, oh, oh, sorry. And she's like, what the fuck, man? She gets pissed, grabs her stuff, and then walks away. So then Tina and Dr. Cruz begin their first session. So he's videotaping the interview, which is kind of odd. Why, why, why are you videotaping me, dude? That's kind of weird. She asks him why, and he's like, no, you know, it's just to keep track of their process. 
You know, haven't you heard of a fucking notebook? Just jot it down. You don't need to record me. Fucking weird, dude. So Dr. Cruz places a book of matches on the table and asks her to move it with her mind. Ah, uh, yeah, we see what you're up to, dick. Video camera making her do shit that has nothing to do with the trauma. Yeah, alright, okay. Alright, we'll, we'll play along. We'll act like we don't know what you're doing. You're acting like a nice doctor. So she tries a couple times, but then she can't, so Dr. Cruz gets all mad at her and starts yelling at her. And then after getting yelled at, she finally moves it a little bit. So then Tina accuses him of exploiting her telekinesis, and she's like, you know what, I think you're a dick, and you're just trying to exploit me to make money or write a book. And he's like, no, it's, yeah, no, that's not at all. I'm just trying to help you get over the guilt of your father, you know, when you murdered him. That's all. And she's like, okay, fine. Yeah, you know, he's totally exploiting her. You don't need to wait until the end to sign out that. There's no spoiler there. He's exploiting her. It's obvious. So real quick, we cut to a van, and there's a couple inside just doing it, and then we cut back to Tina. That's kind of weird. She's like, boom, doing it, boom, not doing it. So Tina tells her mom that she misses her dad so much. Well, maybe you shouldn't have killed him. <laughs> I'm harping on Tina a lot there. Sorry, Tina. But you did kill your dad. Sorry. So she's really upset that she killed her dad, so she runs out of the house to the dock where dad died, and then it's been rebuilt since then, so it's not just debris there. And like, yep, there he is right there. Yep, see him. That's, that's not the case. So we see her, she starts to cry on the dock and then wishes she can bring her back. And then she starts focusing really hard because she closes her eyes and like, oh, I think I can, I think I can. Uh, but all that does is resurrect Jason. So, yep, no. And then it also breaks the chain that was holding him down. So Jason popped out of the water, Tina faints, and then Jason walks out of the water. We can see his spine and like his rib cage because he's been in there decaying for so long. So that's a really cool effect. We can see all his bones and shit. So Tina, uh, Tina's mom and Dr. Cruz bring her back to the house where the doctor tries to convince her. You know what? That was, that was just a hallucination. No, there's no way. You can't see that shit. So now we meet two teenagers with their car. Yep, you guessed it. It's broken down, like always. So they start walking. Uh, the girl informs Michael, one of the teenagers, that all of her friends are actually throwing a surprise party for him. So then one of them can just pick him up. Way to ruin the surprise. Fucking asshole. So back at Tina's house, Nick arrives and brings a shirt that Tina forgot to grab from her luggage. And he's like, hey, you want to come over to the surprise party next door? She's like, yeah, sure. And then Nick and Tina head over to the house next door. So we go back to Michael and his girlfriend, who I don't believe... Yeah, they never gave her her name. They never give her a name. They may have, like, an IMBD, but I tried to rewind it a couple times, and I couldn't hear her name unless I missed it. So they uh, continue to walk, and then they pass a sign that says Crystal Lake's five miles. I'm going to fucking walk ahead of you. And I thought it was Camp Forest Green. So they went from Camp Crystal Lake, changed it to Forest Green, and they're like, yeah, there's some murders. Which one was worse? Ooh, they're pretty close. You know, just change it back to Camp Crystal Lake. At least people will recognize that. So yeah, so now it's Camp Crystal Lake again. So the, uh, the couple decides to cut through the woods where Michael tells her to wait here because i got to go take a pee. Okay. So while the girl's waiting for Michael, Jason sneaks up behind her and stabs her with some sort of steel rod. We don't really see exactly what it is. Unfortunately, with this movie, uh, they did say that the MPAA, like the rating system, was giving them grief. And like, in order for them to avoid having an X rating, they had to keep rewriting and reshooting a lot of the death scenes. Otherwise, they're going to get an X rating and, you know, it's... Porn. You don't want a porn type level of rating in a movie theater, especially with a horror franchise. So I, I think it was nine times they had to reshoot and then redo the death scenes. So unfortunately, a lot of the death scenes are kind of meh or they're just kind of completely cut off camera and you don't actually see the really, really cool effects like we had in the previous ones with all the makeup effects like part four and part three. Fortunately, we don't get that a lot of this one. So. So when Mike got Michael is bad done draining his lizard, he comes back and he sees his girlfriend is pinned to a tree by the neck. So Michael takes off, but now Jason throws the, another steel rod right into his back and he kills him. So at the party, we are introduced to our new set of fresh meat. I took the names out directly off of Wikipedia just because I thought it was funny how they're described. So it's Michael's cousin Nick, Preppy Russell, and his girlfriend Sandra, Ben and his girlfriend Kate, 
science fiction writer Eddie, stoner David, perky Robin, shy Maddie, and snobby Melissa. It's just every cliche, nerd, jock, slut, whatever, stoner. It's just kind of funny. I love that. So Tina gets introduced to everyone, and they're all nice, except for Melissa. She's a huge bitch. Uh, so we see David in the kitchen chugging a beer, but he sucks at it, and he just starts choking. <laughs> he's sucking drink a beer and stick to weed. And then Tina, as soon as this happened, Tina gets a vision of Jason killing Michael in the kitchen. So she's never met Michael before. She's like, oh, shit, who the hell is this dude getting killed right in front of me? So she freaks out, and then she leaves the party. So we get to another couple, which we don't get the names of both of them. I think the guy's name is Dan, so Dan and... Random woman, number two. So the girl, uh, they're out there next to a campfire, next to their tent, having a little bonfire. The girl complains that she's cold and the fire sucks ass, and then she makes Dan go and fetch firewood. So while Dan's gathering the firewood, he's stalked by Jason, who punches a hole right through him, and then he fucking breaks his neck. We don't, again, we don't get to see the effects on that or how cool it would have looked, so. So Dan, who just so happened to be dropping, he drops a machete. That's what he uses to cut wood. Not an axe, but a machete. I guess a machete could do some damage on some wood but so anyway jason goes back to the tent where judith it took me a while i had to look up her name as well too again they don't mention her name in the movie so is staying and she's inside naked in her sleeping bag and she's thinking she's ready to get some wiener from dan and jason's like oh i'm gonna show you some wood all right just not the kind you were hoping for so jason cuts a hole and grabs the sleeping bag and then she has it she's inside the sleeping bag drags her to the tree picks her up and then swings her right into the fucking tree it was really cool there's your wood so the original idea for the the director said in uh, Camp Crystal Lake Memories. Uh, by the way, if you are a fan of Friday the 13th series, give that a watch. It's like eight hours long, but there's a lot of cool tidbits and just a lot of awesome stuff that goes over every single movie. So uh, that scene, they were originally wanting to have Jason swing multiple times into the tree. Uh, but after a few uh, swings, it kind of lost its steam a little bit. So the director decided only to keep it in the one time. The multiple swing scene is uh, it's on YouTube, and you can actually find it on other probably deleted scenes on dvds and stuff like that uh what they do is they do a couple swings and then it goes into slow motion again which look kind of dumb but if we just would have swung it like two or three times and then just dropped her in real time i think it would have been fucking cool but this was still still really cool so the next day tina and, and nick are skipping rocks and then tina starts explaining how they used to come up here all the time until her dad was killed by someone random oh wait, it was me i killed him and then uh, she explains that, yeah, this was a lakeside home they come to all the time. It's not their actual home. Uh, so while they're talking about this, asshole Melissa's spying on them. Like, what are you what are you doing? Why are you spying on them? Find out later she's just an asshole even more. We'll get more into detail on that. Uh, Tina mentions that her she shouldn't be with a girl like him. He goes, you know what? I love you. And then he kisses her. He doesn't say I love her, but he does kiss her. So there's a lot of little interactions that are happening. They're grilling. Um, Matt, one of the... The teenager's Maddie tells Robin that she likes David, but she's too shy to talk to him. Robin's like, you know what? I'm going to smoke pot for the first time. She's like, oh, okay. It's kind of it's kind of dumb. Just kind of little small interactions. Uh, but then Melissa puts another teenager, Eddie, his jacket on backwards to make it look like it's a straight jacket. And Melissa starts making fun of Tina. But then Tina uses her powers and then breaks Tina's pearl necklace. <laughs> dumb bitch. So the pearls go everywhere. And she's like, oh, my God, my pearls. So Tina runs back to her house telling her mom that she wants to go home, but Dr. Dick says, no, we can't leave. We're making real progress here. We've only done one session. He just videotaped me for a little bit. And then uh, the doctor starts yelling at Tina's mom. So Tina picks up a TV with her mind and then just fucking checks at the doctor. But he ducks just in time, unfortunately. It'd been awesome if you got with a flying TV. So after she throws the TV at the doctor, Psycho Mantis style, she runs down the stairs and on the front porch, there's Nick. He's just waiting for her, checking on her. He's like, hey, how you doing? 
Uh, then Tina asked Nick if her cousin Michael ever showed up to the party. She asked what he looks like. So Nick has a picture of her and or has a picture of him in his wallet. And she says, yeah, he's dead. And he's like, wait, what, what? And then her mom ushers him back inside before she can explain. So now we see Russell and Sander walking by the lake. And then Sander thinks, you know what? It's a good idea to get naked and go skinny dipping. It's worked so well for everybody else in the last movie. It's auto, like it's like an automatic death sentence. If you get naked in a Friday the 13th or even any horror movie, you're probably going to die. It's a big no-no. But did they listen to me? No. Fuck no. So Russell starts to get naked but is approached by Jason who then uppercuts Russell right in the face with an axe, splitting it open. It would have been a really awesome scene if we got to see that. We see the after effects of just kind of the cool makeup effect, but we don't get to see the actual blah. So Sanders is already in the water naked. And she sees this and she starts freaking out, but Jason's already in the water. So he swims back underneath the water, grabs her leg, and then drags her down. That's it. He does drag her back to the shore, at least. He doesn't want her, nobody to find her body, I guess. I don't know. It is kind of a dumb death scene. He just drags her down underneath the water. Blech. So we're back at the birthday party, which I thought that was the night before. They are all hanging out, but I guess tonight is the birthday party. So they have balloons and they have streamers everywhere. Uh, so Robin and David are dancing while Maddie watches. She's getting all upset because she loves David. She's never talked to him before, but she gets all mad. She storms off to room and she knows it. it's time for a makeover. So Nick's trying to get a hold of her of his cousin Michael, who's dead as shit, uh, but he can't get a hold of anybody. So while he's doing this, Melissa keeps trying to flirt with Nick. He's like, I told you multiple times I'm not interested in you. Would you fucking leave me alone? She's like, you know what? I know what's going to do. I'm going to make out with somebody else. He said he's not interested with me, but I'm going to do it. And that's going to make him really interested in me. Yeah, yeah, that'll show him. So she decides that she's going to go start flirting and making out with the science nerd Eddie. Or the science fiction writer Eddie. So then we cut to Dr. Cruz walking through the woods. <laughs> We're going to see that a trend a lot. You're going to hear me say walking through the woods, running through the woods. Because that happens a lot in this movie. So he's walking through the woods when he finds Michael strung up in a tree dead. He's like, oh my god, and then he freaks out. So back to Tina's house where Tina's mom's going to go in through uh, Dr. Cruz's files. And then she finds out, surprise, surprise, he's doing research on Tina's telekinesis powers and exploiting her and making her mad on upset, or mad and upset on purpose so it triggers her telekinesis. He says, nah, that ain't me. I ain't doing that. But we're going to have to commit her, though. Yeah, yeah, she's she's crazy. She's gone. She's done. So meanwhile, Tina's on the other side of the door, and she's hearing all this shit, so she gets all pissed off, takes her mom's car keys, and she's like, peace the fuck out, and gets in her mom's car and dips out. So while she's driving, though, she gets another vision of Jason, this time killing her mom right in the middle of the road, so she swerves to miss him, but she goes off the road, and then she hits a tree. So then we go back to the teen's house, and then we see Maddie has gotten herself all dolled up and ready to win her man back, David, even though they've never really talked before. <laughs> That's her man. So she goes into the middle of the woods to look for David. Why are you going in the middle of the woods? You just seen him dancing. No, he's not in the middle of the woods. What the fuck are you doing? So she goes through the woods. So there, then we see her just standing there in the middle of the woods yelling, David? David, I have no reason to believe that you're in the woods, but David? But no. And then she loses her earring. Oh, no. So she starts looking for it, and then on the ground she finds it, and then she stands back up. Russell's body falls in slow motion from the treetops. It was kind of weird. <laughs> Everything was normal, and then this one little part was slow motion, I'm sure. Like, just with that sleeping bag, that was in slow motion, so there's probably a lot of parts. They wanted to do slow motion. I'm glad they kept most of them out, because it just kind of looked weird. as So I didn't like the slow motion part. So she freaks out, and then we see Jason's head pop out from a tree, and like, hello there. And then uh, she takes off in a panic, and then Jason slowly takes after her. Uh, so we see Maddie going to like a little barn, a little tool shed area that's very small and full of weapons. Great choice. So we see Maddie trying her best to hide from Jason. Like she keeps trying to like crawl into this little wall or this little stall area and kind of going back and forth. But she sucks at hide and seek. So <laughs> Jason knows where she's at the whole time. So he grabs a sickle and then he busts through the wall and grabs her. And then she's killed off screen. 
So we're assuming with the sickle. So now we see Tina running through the woods. So she just so happens to run into Nick, who's just there. Like, why the fuck are you just hanging out in the middle of the woods? So Tina says she needs to go find her mom, and then they go run off together. So next we see uh, Tina's mom and Dr. Cruz driving. They find Tina's car, but there's no one inside. Oh my god. But then we see Jason has reached the house. And there's three different couples doing it at the same time. So they all, like, sync their watches. Like, all right, at 8.52, start doing it. Go. Here we go. Uh, so the first couple they focus on is Ben and Kate, who are banging in the van. I don't know whose van this is, but this is the second couple that's done it in the van. So if, if it's not neither one of them is the owner, I'd be pissed. Like, you guys have been fucking in my van all weekend. What the fuck? So while in the middle of doing it, they hear scratching on the side of the van. So they assume it's just the birthday boy, Michael. So they get dressed and then decide they're going to go jump out and give him a surprise and go, Happy birthday, you son of a bitch. So Ben goes outside and he starts looking for Michael. And he's blowing like a little party horn. He's like, Michael, where are you? He goes around the van, but there's nothing there. And then he has Jason come from behind him and then grabs his head and starts crushing it. Yeah, crushing it. Yeah, it's not that impressive. But I mean, it'd fucking suck to have your head crushed. But So Kate's now concerned no one's replying back to her because she keeps calling out for Ben and calling out for Michael. No one's answering her, so she sticks her head out the driver's side window only for Jason to smash the party horn right into her freaking eyeball. So yeah, blow on this. So now we go to the second couple, Eddie and Melissa, making up. He's just kissing on her neck, and Melissa looks uninterested at all. So Melissa tells him to stop because, you know, I was just fucking around. I don't want to actually be with you. I was just kind of hoping Nick would walk in on and get jealous. Again, he's he doesn't care about you. <laughs> Move on. He does not give a shit about you. So Eddie gets all mad, babbling that he can take rejection because he gets rejected by all the famous science fiction writers of the world. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go jerk off in the shower. Wait, he doesn't say jerk off in the shower, but he's going to go take a cold shower. We know what he's going to do. So then we get a quick shot of David and Robin, who just got done doing it. That was Maddie's boyfriend, man, that she's never met before and never talked to. But he's interested in Robin. Robin likes David. So, sorry, Maddie, you're out of the picture. You're already dead anyway, so you don't care. And then after we see that quick clip, we see Jason cutting the power out. And then we see, go back to Tina and Nick running through the woods. But then they find Michael's body that's kind of pinned up between two trees or hanging there. Similar to the doctor found. So now we go back to David and Robin. David's like, you know what? I'm so hungry, man, from the weed. <laughs> you get it? Weed jokes. And then Robin, she's like, I'm so stoned. Oh, my God. Drugs. So David goes to venture off to find some food. Uh, so he grabs a flashlight and starts heading to the kitchen. There's a scene that I've never noticed before. Out of the many times I've seen this movie, uh, while David's walking through the like the little living room area right before the kitchen, a flash of lightning comes up, and then you see Jason hiding in the corner. I don't know how I've never seen that before. But it was really cool, though. So David makes his way into the kitchen. He steps in what looks like blood, and he's like, what the fuck? And then he just is like, huh, that's weird. And he just opens up the fridge and starts looking for food. So he continues to look for food, and then we see Jason start to slowly approach him with has got to be the biggest fucking butcher knife I've ever seen. I don't know why you would need this big of a butcher knife. It was like almost like two feet long. It's fucking, that's a big ass butcher knife. So David turns around only to get stabbed right in the stomach. Not a lot of gore or anything like that. So because that will be cut out. I would love to see if they just released everything that they were initially wanted to do. Fuck, put an X rating on there. Who cares? I'll watch it. So back to Nick and Tina who uh, make it to Tina's house. They run inside and then they go into Dr. Cruz's office to start rummaging around through his desk. They find a gun, and then they find a note with notebook with a bunch of newspaper clippings about Jason and how he drowned and how he killed everybody. And then Tina finally realizes that she's been having visions about Jason, that motherfucker. So she starts freaking out, and the entire room starts shaking when she does this. So all the pictures start flying off the wall. Shit starts falling off the dresser. The dresser starts shaking. Nick's like, holy shit, it's you. What the fuck? I, I, gotta, I gotta go. Uh, my mom is making, uh, I'm not even going to make an excuse. Peace. 
No, he, he's a good guy. So now we see Eddie, who's going through Michael's birthday presents. Like, hey, what the? Those aren't yours, dick. I mean, Michael's dead, but you don't know that. So Jason also feels the same way that I feel, because he comes in right behind him, and he fucking just slices him, and then either in the neck, again, the kills kind of... So he slices him either in the neck with either a hatchet or a meat cleaver. It's done so quick, and you can't really get a good shot of what he's actually using. So Eddie's dead. I guess that's what I'm trying to get down to. So now we see Jason making his way upstairs, and then we cut to Robin. She starts to get dressed, and then she starts heading out to the hallway. So she begins knocking on the doors, asking for David, but she gets no response, because they're all dead. So she goes inside to the room that David's staying at, and then we see David's little weed stash with his joints and his weed. Oh, this seems cool. So she makes her way, uh, she hears something in the closet, so she makes her slowly wakes, makes her way over to the closet, and then she opens up and out jumps a cat! When the fuck did they get a cat? Why is there a cat? You're just renting out the place. <laughs> Weird. So Robin picks up the cat and starts playing with it, but then she puts her hand on the bench that she's sitting on, and it's covered in blood, and then right beside the blood, it's David's severed head. Oh shit, he's not going to be smoking any more joints. So just then, Jason busts the room to the room saying, hey, don't touch my fucking cat, she doesn't like you. So Jason grabs Robin by the throat and then throws her out of the second story window. So it's very similar to the death in part four with the other twin. But instead of landing on the car, she just lands right on the fucking ground. Splat. It's not very effective. It looks like she just jumped like two feet. Went, eh. But I mean, going through the out the window was cool, but just landing was kind of bleh. So back to Nick and Tina where Nick says he needs to go gather everybody so they can get the fuck out of there. So then he runs next door. So now Tina's mom and Dr. Cruz are running through the woods looking for Tina. They begin to argue when Jason emerges from the trees. Uh, so they both take off running, but then they both trip and fall. Uncoordinated bastards. So Jason catches up to him, but then Dr. Cruz holds up Tina, Tina's mom, right in front of him to use her as a human shield so that Jason can stab her right in the back with a brush shield. Brush axe. What a fucking douchebag. By the way, I had to look up what that weapon was. I've never heard of a brush axe. I didn't know what that was called, but that's what that is. Brush axe. So back at the house now, Nick is now inside calling out for all of them, but then he finds Eddie's Eddie's dead under the table. He's like, yep, nope, bye. So he runs back to Tina's house, but he can't find her, but Melissa pops up into the living room. Like, what the fuck are you doing at Tina's house? You don't live here. You don't even like Tina. What are you doing here? Um, he doesn't even ask her what he's doing here. He's like, where's Tina? Like, she's supposed to know. And then she never gives any kind of explanation why she's there, but then he explains that Eddie and Michael are dead. And she's like, yeah, I don't believe you. Whatever. So now we see Tina walking through the woods. And then she finds Dr. Douche. He tells her that, oh, my, your mom's actually okay. She's back at the house. She's like, bullshit, I just came from the house. And he's like, oh, well, shit. And then she notices that the doctor's covered in blood. And he's like, yeah, she's, she's gone. What the fuck does that mean? So Tina takes off, and then Dr. Dr. Asshole starts running, only to find Jason. And then Jason comes after him with a pole chainsaw. Where are you getting all these weapons again? Yeah, this like, it seems like all the movies, he just has so, a variety of weapons. I love how he kills him with a variety of weapons. It's just, where are you getting this GTA style? So Jason gives chase and then finally catches the doctor and then knocks him down and then uses the chainsaw right into the chest. Not a lot of blood or anything like that because the gore was cut out. So, at least, yeah, we would have hoped he would have got a more spectacular death, but no, he doesn't. I mean, it would have been cool, I bet. So back to Tina, who just found her mom dead, and she's all freaking out, and then she sees Jason just kind of casually walking by, so she's like, you know what, I'm going to follow this guy. It seems like a great idea. Uh, but then she's uh, quickly after that, she finds Kate with the party horn sticking out of her eye, and then she finds Maddie nailed to a tree. I'm like, damn, with her by her wrist. And then we see the sleeping bag girl. She's like, oh my god, my tooth. Who's that? I fucking know who that is. So we get a random girl, and then we also, Russell falls from a branch hanging by his foot with a rope. He's good at the little thing where it's timed where they fall from a tree at a certain point in time. So she runs up the road, and then Jason's standing there just waiting for her. So she begins to use her powers, and then she has some of the tree branches. Trip Jason, so then Jason trips into a puddle, 
and then she takes one of the power lines, and then that's an active power line. She cuts that, and then she makes that fall into the puddle, and that electrocutes Jason, which puts him down for for a tick, like 15 seconds. But then he gets right back up, and he's like, bitch, and then she, she takes off. So then Tina runs to the neighbor's house, but she's only there for a couple seconds, because as soon as she's there, Jason jumps through the bay window to the inside. Uh, Tina tries to use her powers again to close the door on him and throw a couch at him and then a plant. And he's like, get the, get the fuck out of here with this shit. It's slowing him down like a tiny bit, but not very much. Uh, she runs outside and then Jason follows her onto the front porch. And then Tina begins to make part of the house part fall off. So he has like the roof and the pillars all collapse on top of Jason. So then Tina runs back to the house where Melissa and Nick are waiting for him. But then we see, we cut to Jason's hand busting through the debris that fell on top of him. I always love that one. Someone's hand just busts through a bunch of shit. Like, I'm still alive, motherfuckers. I think it's badass. So then we go back to Tina's house. So th- she thinks she's killed Jason, but Melissa's like, you know, I don't believe any of you guys. You guys are both crazy. And then she opens up the front door where Jason's standing there, and then Melissa catches an axe right to the forehead. So after he puts an axe to her forehead, he also throws her across the room because he's also tired of her trying to get with Nick when Nick is fucking been clearly telling him, I'm not interested in you. And he's also toying with Eddie's heart. That's fucked up. Jason doesn't take light of that shit. So Nick and Tina both run upstairs. They at least try to go to the front door, but Jason's like, fuck that shit. And he slams the door shut. So they tried. They didn't go straight to them. You know what we should do? Upstairs. Boom. So they try to get into one of the rooms that's upstairs. Not working. So Jason slowly makes his way up to the stairs. And then Tina uses her powers again, so she slams a light fixture right into his noggin, knocking him backwards and then through the stairs. Uh, he gets up right away, and then he busts through the wall, where kind of where the basement area's at, and then he throws Nick to the ground, and then starts stomping on his back a little bit, and then kind of pressing on it. Uh, but then Tina starts squeezing Jason's head with his powers, and then starts to leak mucus from the back of his head. He turns around, and then the mask snaps in two. Damn it, Tina, I love that mask. What the fuck? Now he's going to get a new one. Well, he doesn't actually get a new one, doesn't really explain that, but we'll talk about that in the next movie. So once we see his face, he is one ugly motherfucker. So then she uses her powers to wrap a wire around his neck and then lifts him all the way up to the ceiling and then crashes him all the way through the floor where he lands into the basement. So he's out for maybe like 10-15 seconds, but then he grabs her from the hole that was created from the fall, and then he drags her down to the basement with him. So she starts sending nails into his forehead and then starts uh, shooting gasoline with her mind, uh, pouring it on top of him. And then she opens up the furnace door and then starts shooting fire at it and then eventually catches Jason on fire. So Jason's engulfed in flames now. So then Nick wakes up and he's, oh my god, where am I? So he runs up and he goes to the basement, grabs Tina to get the fuck out of the house. Tina kind of looks surprised that gas and fire have that kind of reaction and do that much damage. She's like, what? I didn't know that. Holy shit. I just was coincidence I poured gas on him. So they both run out of the house and then onto the boat deck. And then the house explodes into a thousand pieces. So we think, yep, Jason's dead for good. So they think it's all safe, but then Jason appears, and he grabs Tina, and he throws her down the dock. Nick takes out the gun that he got from the doctor's office, starts shooting him, but it doesn't do shit, and then he knocks Nick into a boat. So then we see Tina start to focus, and then we start seeing a bunch of bubbles from the lake. And then out pops her dad, who grabs Jason by the neck with a chain and drags him back to the bottom of the lake. What? That's... Ugh. Ugh. So the next thing we see firefighters putting out the house fire, and then someone finds a part of Jason's mask and picks it up. So then Tina's hauled away on a stretcher and then loaded into an ambulance where Nick is already in there. And that's it. That movie was it was good. It had its good and it had its bads. Then it was shit. Uh, I did love how Jason looked with his spine and his ribs sticking out. I didn't really love the zombie look. I mean, it was, I, get, I get it. It's been 15, 20 years, so of course he's going to look like that. But I, just, I personally wasn't a huge fan of it. It was fine. It wasn't terrible. Uh, Kane Hodder did an awesome job in his debut as Jason. That was really cool. 
characters were fine. Some of them were interesting enough, not like part five, where you're like, who? I don't give a fuck about you. There's some that you're like, oh, man, I don't want him to die, or I'll fucking kill him off right away. So they gave a little bit of connection, so you had a little bit of interest in what was going on with them and what happened to them. Uh, the telekinetic powers, it was a little different. I mean, it was kind of cool to see her use her powers against Jason. Like, the end battle was pretty cool, have her going after that, but then... It was kind of like Carrie just turned into a superhero, and then it was fighting off evil. Which I did hear that's actually what they wanted to do, because they initially wanted this to be the Freddy versus Jason to start, and they were doing a bunch of weird, different kind of cinematic stuff. But then Paramount and New Line couldn't work something out, so this was scratched. So, like, you know what, we should do Carrie versus Jason. And I think that's, from what I've read, this is kind of how that was born. Again, it was kind of fine. I mean, I, it was, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't terrible. But I just some of the stuff, it was like... Kind of seemed like a little overpowered because she can just kind of trip up Jason with ease or knock him over with ease. And then it just kind of takes away the scariness. Like if she's trapped in a corner, she can just make him fly away. So it takes away a little bit of the scariness and like the, oh shit, she's trapped. What is she going to do? So that's the one, kind of one of the things I didn't like about the that. But the ending. The ending was fucking stupid. Uh, not only does she have telekinetic powers, but now she can summon people back from the dead or summon spirits to help her kill Jason. Uh, that was fucking stupid. It just <laughs> it was dumb. I did read that because of the MPAA again, they wanted to have her dad look all super gross and zombie-like. But even if he was, it wasn't going to really do anything because it's just kind of dumb. Why does she have this power to summon the dead again? It's I don't know. I just thought it was dumb. I didn't like it at all. And I mentioned it so many times. There was way too many scenes where they're just running through the woods. Like, why are you guys always in the woods? Like, why Nick just happens to be chilling in the woods when Tina runs by? Or Maddie going to look for David in the middle of the woods? Like, no, he's upstairs fucking. Just way too many. It just seems like every, like towards the end of the movie, like every scene was, yo, oh, I'm going to run through the woods. And it was like the exact same like little area of the woods. So it wasn't like different. It's just, I, I remember that tree. Yep, yep, that's that tree from earlier. It just was way too much. So it was a pretty decent movie. I think initially I said this was made it to the championship game. I might bump it down to the divisional game just because it just there was some things that I just didn't like about it. It was still a lot of fun. I always enjoy these movies when they're at a camp or at a cabin in the woods, some by the camp, but sadly that's going to be the last one we get at a cabin for the the entire movie. Might get little clips of it for a second, but it's kind of downhill from now for the next three movies. So that was Friday the 13th Part 7. Enjoyed it. Could have been better. All right, so that's going to wrap up this episode. So the next one, ah, sucks because it's going to be uh, Part 8 and Part 9, two shit ones that I just hate. So there's going to be a lot of anger, a lot of free-floating hostility, as George Carlin would say. So that'll be our next one. So get ready for some random anger on that one because those movies make me mad. They shouldn't make me mad, but they do. So until then, peace out. You are now exiting the man cave. Side effects will disappear momentarily.